Okay, I'm going to use the microphone, but uh, they didn't bring me a handkerchief, so I won't look very Pentecostal, so I'm sorry. (laughs) But I'm glad to be here. Uh, We love, my wife's name is Debbie also, so when I talk about Debbie, I'm talking about my wife, all right? So Debbie and I love Pastor Miles and Debbie, and uh, we've been good friends for several years now, and I know that... Um, this could go without saying, but I want to say it. Um, I travel quite a bit. I speak in lots of churches, uh, and I just want you to know you are extremely blessed to have Pastor Miles McPherson as your pastor. You are extremely blessed. And Pastor Miles has been at Gateway, and so I'm glad to be here. Um, Just so you know a little bit about me, my wife and I have been married today, is our anniversary, 35 years. So, 35 years. Now, I know, I know what you're thinking, and yes, it was the biggest, our wedding was the biggest event of the fifth grade. So yes, we got married young. Uh, We have three grown and married children. Okay, now the re- and we have six grandchildren, by the way. Now, the reason that I say grown and married, some of you know, some of you don't, okay? The reason I say our children are grown and married, if you don't know what that means, let me explain it to you. That means that Debbie and I are now wealthy. <laughs> because they are out of our house. So, and we love our kids, but thank God they're gone. All right, so, um, and grandkids, by the way, grandkids are better than kids. Did you know that? Yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, grandkids are God's gift to you for not killing your children. So the next time you, you feel like kind of just, you just hold on, because there's a better one coming along. And then you can send him home hyped up with sugar to drive his parents crazy. So it's just, it's a, it's a wonderful thing God has. I actually brought a picture of my family. So you could see my family. You'll see my two sons and uh, two daughters-in-law and then a daughter and son-in-law. Um, now you might notice that my son-in-law... <laughs> ...looks a little different than the rest of us. He's taller. He's taller. So you can see that very, very easily. Actually, you can see they have another daughter now, but that's our, their, their daughter, Addie. Uh, and people stop them all the time. She's beautiful. It's amazing to me how people with dark skin want to have lighter skin and people with light skin want to have darker skin. And I told him, I said, boy, our granddaughter was left in the oven just the right amount of time. She's just, she's beautiful. So anyway, that's my, Family, I'm honored to be here. I'm honored to be a part of this series, True Lovers. And I want to talk to you about the love language of giving. All right? So I want you to turn to Exodus chapter 13. Turn to Exodus 13. You know, God gave us these five love languages. And obviously, God has all five. And we need to move in all five. But one is probably more motivating or more primary for you. But I want to talk to you about the love language of giving. And the love language of giving, I want to bring it about from maybe a perspective you've never heard, and it's a principle that runs all through Scripture with God. 
This is why this is one of his love languages. And it's called the principle of first. The principle of first. When you give, you're putting that person first in your life. So I want you to think about this. Uh, Exodus chapter 13, look at verse 1. It says, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now, I want you to notice that phrase very carefully. It is mine. I, I don't have the words to adequately describe to you the, um, um, how emphatic this phrase is in the Hebrew language. That he's saying it belongs to me. It's my property. It is, it is mine. It is my property. Property, And he's speaking of the first here. And then look at verse 12, same chapter, Exodus 13, verse 12, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males shall be the Lord's. Again, very similar wording in the Hebrew, belong to God. But every firstborn of a donkey, and we'll talk, we'll come back to this because it seems kind of confusing. Every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. In other words, you're going to lose it anyway. And all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Now, I know this is very Old Testament-y, but everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. So I just want to give you three principles about the love language of giving. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, write these down. All right? The firstborn... The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's, that's what we just read. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. But here's the question. How do you know which? How do you know whether you sacrifice it or redeem it? Well, God gives us two animals that are exemplary of two categories of animals. He gives us a donkey and a lamb. A donkey represents unclean animals, and a lamb represents clean animals. So what he's saying is, if your clean animal, a lamb, if your clean animal has a firstborn, then you must sacrifice it. If your unclean animal has a firstborn, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, I'm going to say that one more time because this is very important, and you'll understand how important it is in just a moment. If your, un, if your clean animal has a firstborn, it has to be sacrificed. If an unclean animal has a firstborn, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, again, what in the world would that mean to us today? Well, everything, again, in this book points to Jesus Christ in some way. So I want to ask you two questions, and I'll help you understand clean and unclean. Think about this. Were you and I... When we were born on this earth, when we talk about our relationship with God and about our holiness and our sinfulness, were you and I born clean or unclean? Unclean, right? We were born in sin. Uh, as a matter of fact, the way to prove this is simply ask the experts in the room, the parents, uh, one question. Did you have to teach your children to be bad? Or did it come naturally for them? <laughs> See, we have to teach our children to be good. Is that right? Okay, so we're all born unclean. Okay, was Jesus born unclean or clean? Okay, listen, listen. 
the clean had to be sacrificed so that the unclean could be redeemed. That's what we just read. That's what that principle is talking about. And it's a principle that runs through Scripture. Here's what God is saying. You give me the first one and the rest are redeemed. In other words, when your sheep has a lamb, you give me the first one. Don't, he didn't say, don't wait until you have ten sheep, ten lambs, and then give me one. And you can give me the one that gets in your garden. He didn't say that. He said, give me the first one. Why? Because it takes faith to give the first one. That's exactly the way, and we will talk about tithing here in a moment, but that's the way tithing is. It's the first 10%, not the last 10%. It doesn't take faith to give the last 10%. It doesn't take faith to pay your bills and then give. It takes faith to give before you pay the bills. And what God is wanting to do is see, are you going to put me in first place? This is all through Scripture. And so many times we misunderstand it and don't understand it. Uh, Here's the number one reason that people say for not tithing. They say, Pastor, I just can't afford to tithe. Please hear me. You will never be able to afford to tithe. Because tithing is what removes the curse and opens the windows over you. And God's not the one cursing you. You've got to understand, when the Bible talks about a curse, he said, you're cursed with a curse because you've not brought the tithe to the storehouse. God's not the one cursing us. We live in a cursed world. He wants to remove or redeem our finances out from under the curse. And we do that by honoring him with the first. You know, when um, you saw a picture of my son-in-law and my daughter there, when my son-in-law came to me, came to me about dating my daughter, I remember actually the very first time I ever met him, the first time I ever met him, I remember when I shook his hand, I thought, now why can't my daughter be interested in a man like this? Because I could sense the character in him, you know? And so uh, I realized she was introducing me to him because she was interested in a man like that, that man in particular. But anyway, I said, well, you have him come talk to me. So he came and talked to me, and I talked to him about principles and you know, we talked about uh, guidelines, and I showed him my uh, gun collection, and you know, there's normal things like that. And um, so, anyway, he did all that. He did everything right. He followed all the principles. But right after I gave my permission for them to begin dating, they were standing in front of the church after a young adult service, and there was about eight or nine of them talking, and it was Elaine and Ethan. That's his name. And they were just dating at this point, but they got to telling jokes about what it would be like to date the pastor's daughter, you know. And one of them said to Elaine, my daughter, said, you know, your dad is so strong on tithing that I'll bet he even checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And my daughter said, uh, he does. And I did. Well, I have a real simple question for you. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? And those aren't my words. If that offends you, I'm sorry, but that wasn't my word. God used that word. God said, you've stolen from me. You've robbed from me. Because he uses the same word there about the firstborn he uses about the tithe. He says, it is mine. It belongs to me. Here's another question. Why would I give my daughter to a man that can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money, he definitely can't handle my daughter because my daughter is a handful, okay? (laughs) Listen, I feel so strongly about this. The the, the Bible says, bring the tithe in the storehouse and see. He says, test me. It's the only thing in the Bible where God says you can test him. Did you know that? 
It's the only place in the Bible God says, test me and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such blessing on you there will not be room enough to receive it. And, and, that's kind of like if you call right now, (laughs) and I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Wow, God is going to rebuke Satan for me if I tithe. Hey, just from a business standpoint, that's a good deal for 10%. And that's not hard to figure out. Listen, I felt so strongly about this for years. I've told our whole church, you tithe for one, one year, and if you're not fully satisfied at the end of that year, I'll give you your money back. I'm standing on God's word. It's simple to say that. I feel so strongly right now. I'll tell you, you tied to the Rock Church for one year. If you're not fully satisfied at the end of the year, Pastor Miles will give you your money. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's been, it's been a joy being with you the one and only time that I will ever be at the Rock Church. So, Okay. All right. So number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Here's number two. The first fruits must be offered. The first fruits must be offered. Proverbs 3, you can stay in Exodus 13 because we're going to come back to it, okay? Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord. Please notice the wording, bring into the house of the Lord. First of all, the tithe comes into the house of the Lord. We don't give our tithe to missionaries, even though we give to missionaries, that's over and above the tithe. We don't give it to a Christian school or a university or to a hospital. The tithe is to be brought into the house of the Lord. And I want you to notice the word bring. God never uses the word give when he's talking about tithing. He uses the word bring because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can just bring it or you can steal it. Those are only two choices. You bring it to God's house or you steal it. You keep it in your account. And again, the word steal, that's the word God uses. See, this, this, this principle is all through scripture. When they went into the promised land to take the promised land, he said, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Now, why did he say bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho? It's simple. Jericho was the first city. Here's what he was saying. You give me the first one, you bring the first one to me, I'll redeem the rest. He didn't say capture 10 cities and then give me one. He said, bring me the first one and then you can have the rest. When I was in college, uh, one of the students asked one of the professors, said, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's? And the professor was very honest. He said, I don't know. But when you understand the principle of the firstborn and first fruits, it's, it's simple to see it. Let me, let me read it to you. Genesis 4, verses 3 through 5. And in the process of time, now those words are very important. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it never says first fruit. Abel also brought of the first born of his flock and of their fat and the Lord respected that word could also be translated received Abel and his offering but he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering see how simple it is it's easy 
See, Abel is a rancher. He brings firstborn. Cain is a farmer. He does not bring first fruits. He brings an offering in the process of time. In other words, he gave what he wanted when he wanted. Isn't that amazing that many Christians say that? Well, I give as I feel led. Well, God's told us how to. He's told us to tithe. He's told us how to give. What do you mean you give as you feel led? Do you love your wife as you feel led? There's scripture about that. See, it's not as we feel led. We return the first 10% to God. And so here we've got Abel bringing the firstborn. God accepts it. Cain does not bring first fruits. God doesn't accept it. And it's not just that he doesn't. It's that he can't. He can't accept it. He could not accept it because it wasn't first. It was not a first offering. And let me explain some things about this. This is a little theological here, but a lot of people don't understand. There are some things God can't do. Uh, If you study the attributes of God, this will help you. Uh, What I mean by that is people say, well, God is sovereign, which is one of his attributes, which means he can do anything he wants. That's not what the word sovereignty means. It means he's the supreme ruler of the universe. But God can never act outside of his character. That's what he can't do. In other words, God is who he is. For instance, uh, God is truth, therefore he cannot lie. God can't lie. The Bible says straight out, God can't lie. Okay, he can't lie. He can't lie, not just because he tells the truth, but because he is truth. Okay, so let me give you a few more that God things God can't do. God can't change. This is called the immutability of God. God can't change. Here's the reason God can't change. God can't change because if God could change, he could get better. And he can't get better because he's best. He's best. So he can never get better. So he can't change. God can't change. He's perfect just like he is. All right, let me tell you something else God can't do. Now, this one will shock you a little bit, but I'll explain it. God can't think the way you think. Now, listen to me carefully. God can't think the way you think. Here, 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 this is called the omniscience of God. Omni-science. Omni means all. Science means knowledge. God has all knowledge. God knows everything at the same time. Now, if you think about that a little bit this week, you'll trip a breaker. I promise you, it'll blow you away how, how smart God is. God can't think. Think about this. The reason God can't think the way we think is because we think to figure things out. Now, think about it for a moment. Okay, he's not trying to figure anything out. God knows everything at the same time. Okay, let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I've never thought of before. He's never said that because God knows everything at the same time. When I said a moment ago, God can't think the way we think, you might have remembered a scripture. Well, that scripture actually proves this. This is correct theology, by the way. Uh, Here's what the scripture says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Let me say it another way. I don't think like you think. As the heavens are above the earth, my thoughts are above your thoughts. So there's some things God can't do. So I'm going to bring it around to this about accepting the first, that God could not accept Cain's offering because it was second, it wasn't first. Here's something God can't do. God can't be second. He can't be. Okay, if you want to know the, the, and I think there's a blank in your notes, it's called the preeminence of God because he's preeminent. Eminent means first, pre means before. 
God is even before the first. He's higher than, above all, before all, first of all. God's first. God's preeminent. So God can never be second. Now, here's, we use the analogy, we should put God first in our lives. Yes, we should. That's a good analogy. But I just need to tell you something. Um, if God's not first in your life, he's still first in the universe. Just because he's not first in your life, you didn't move his order in the universe, believe me. He's first in the universe. God's first. Okay, the reason God could not accept Cain's offering is because it wasn't first. God's first. He's always first. And if you want to speak God's love language, you put God first in your life. That's how you speak God's love language. Okay, so the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. First fruits must be offered. Here's number three. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. And by the way, tithe comes from a Hebrew word. I could pronounce it, but if I do, I have to spit when I pronounce it. But it's a Hebrew word that means tenth. T-E-N-T-H. Tenth. The tenth part. And it's not the tenth part. It's the first tenth is what the Bible refers to it as. Uh, Let me read you the scripture. Leviticus 2730. And all the tithe of the land, all of it, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord's. There it is again. It belongs to God. It's his property. It is holy. That's just a big word for set apart or set aside to the Lord. Okay, so let me give you uh, an example. And this is, this is a math example, okay? So to half of you, I'm sorry, okay? I, I know that about half of us like math and half of us don't like math. Um, I like math. My father is actually a mathematical genius, math, totally mathematical genius. And my, I have a son who's a mathematical genius. Apparently it skips a generation. <laughs> but my father, my son, when he took his college entrance exam, was in the top 1% of the top 1% in advanced college algebra uh, in his entrance exam. Skipped everything that he was just so far past everyone. And he, my, my son and my, and my father, did uh, algebraic uh, expressions, um, problems over the phone in their heads. And, and they did it for fun. So, um, so I'm not a mathematical genius, but numbers actually add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. I can add random numbers, just add them up, and it just happens like that. Um, Debbie and I were in a store a while back, and we were buying something for $7.99. And the lady said, I'll have to add the uh, tax on the cash register, I mean on the calculator, because the cash register is broken. And I said, it's 66 cents. And she looked at me for a moment, and then she did the calculator, and she said, it's 66 cents. Yes, ma'am, I know. I said, yes, yes, okay, thank you. And so I paid that. We got out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? Now, I thought she was actually asking me, how do you do it? I found out later she doesn't care. So I said to her, I said, well, sugar, our tax rate is 8.25, 7.99 is close to 8. 8 times 8 is 64. A quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen in less than a second in your mind. She said, it doesn't. <laughs> but I do know what 25% off means. 
So again, like a man, I'm still thinking numbers. So I said there, okay, if you're buying something for a hundred dollars and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said, it means it's a good deal. (laughs) And then she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. what? She said, yeah, like I'm, like I'm the idiot, you know, she, like that. She said, if it's 50% off, Robert, it's the same thing as buy one, get one free. So it's free. And if it's 75% off, she said, you're making money. which explains some difficulties we've had through the years with our checkbook. But, okay. So the point is, I'm going to give you a math example, but it won't last long, okay? All right. So let's say that you own a landscape company, and I asked you to come over and do some trees and some shrubs and some things, you know. And so you say, okay, Pastor Robert, uh, it'll cost me this much in materials, cost me this much in labor to install it, and my profit will be $1,000. So this is really the total price are you agreeable to that? I say I'm agreeable. So you do it, and I pay for all your expenses, all your materials, all your labor, all that, and then I give you 10 $100 bills in your hand. So you have $1,000 in your hand. So this is the math part, all right? It's not won't last long. And the tithe is 10%, okay, 1 out of 10. Okay, so you have a 10 $100 bills in your hand. The tithe you have is 10%. So you have $1,000, so how much is the tithe? $100. Okay, but you have $1,000 bills in your hand. So here's question number two. Which one's the tithe? The first one. That's good. You're listening. But how, how do you know which one is the first one? Listen to me carefully. It's the first one to leave your hand. That's the first one. For instance, if you go home and say, let me, I'm going to set aside some for the mortgage, some for the car, some for food, some for clothes, and here's God's part. That's not God's part. You gave God's part to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. But God does. Here's what happens many times. Okay, i got to set aside some for this and some for this and some for this. Oh, there's not enough leftover for God. Can I tell you something really sweetly? He would not have received it anyway. Because our God does not receive leftovers. He receives the first. He even said that. He said, you bring me the lame and the blind and the crippled. I do not receive them. I don't receive it. He can't receive it. He's a God of first. So here's the way I do it, okay? Um, I get paid on the 15th and the 30th, and it's direct deposit into my account. So on the 15th and the 30th, when I'm having my quiet time, I go, I go online. I do banking online, like many of you. And I go online in the morning on the 15th and 30th, and I immediately... Return the tithe, send the tithe to the church immediately. For Debbie and I, it's a double tithe. I don't say that to brag. It's just something God started in our lives in 1984. And so we immediately uh, send 20%. That's just something we, we felt led that we were supposed to do. So we, to the church, not, we give over and above that to other things, missionaries, universities, things like that. So we immediately give the, do the tithe, return the tithe on the 15th, 30th. Now what happens, though, if I have a busy day and I... Um, 
um, forget, don't, maybe I don't even have my quiet time that day, you know, maybe, you know, pastors always do, but you know, maybe sometimes I don't. And so I rush out and I do have meetings all day and I come home and I think, oh, it's the 15th. I got paid today. And so I go online. And when I go online, I notice that Debbie's gone to the grocery store that day. I don't say to her, oh, that's great sugar. We're cursed. For two more weeks, we're cursed because you gave the first part of our bank account, you know, to Kroger's, you know. So, okay, I don't do that because I'm not legalistic about it. And listen to me, God's not legalistic. I'm not trying to talk to something about some legalistic thing. I'm telling you about a principle that was way before the law. Cain and Abel, that's 2,500 years before the law. Abraham tithed 530 years before the law. Jacob tithed tithe 400 years before the law. It's all through scripture. And Jesus even said, you ought to tithe. That's in Matthew 23, 23. It's in red. Okay. I got you. It's in red. Jesus said, you tithe of all these little spices, but you neglect the weightier matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. And then this is what he said. He said, this you ought to do. You ought to tithe. You ought to do that, but don't neglect the other. That's New Testament. And Hebrew says that he receives our tithes. Jesus himself. So, so many people have tried to, to, to make this about it being under the law or something. Please hear me. I promise you, you're speaking God's love language. When you give, that's God's love. You want to know what God's love language is? It's the most famous verse in the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave. And God, of course, moves in all five love languages. He speaks words of affirmation to us. You know, God does this, but one of his love languages is giving. He wants his children to operate in giving. He wants us to be givers. You are happiest when you're a giver. And let me go back to Exodus 13 and and wrap this up. Uh, Exodus 13, this is talking about giving the firstborn. Remember the firstborn. Verse 14 says, so it shall be. When your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you killing these animals? That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore... Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay, think about this. He says, you're going to be asked about this one day by your son. The firstborn. Okay, just, just think about a little boy runs into the kitchen, says, Mom, Dad, the, 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 the sheep, it's, she's having her lamb, and it's the first one. Oh, great. So they get up, and they're going out, and the father grabs the butcher knife on the way. And they go out to the barn and they gather around and they say, oh, look, oh, he's so sweet. He's so sweet. He's standing up. Him standing up. And then the father grabs this little lamb by the back legs, takes this knife and cuts his throat. And this little boy's watching this. So you know what he's thinking, don't you? Don't mess with dad. (laughs) I I don't know what that lamb did, but I'm never going to do that. But it keeps going. And the boy grows up. He goes to college. His dad still kills all the firstborn. He comes home. His dad has him take over the books. So one day, there's the son sitting there at the books. The dad walks in from the field, and the son says, Dad, um, uh, sit down a moment, Dad. Um, 
you know, you asked me, uh, you know, to, you know, take over the books and, uh, I, I want to talk to you about something and, um, you know, you might not even know you do this, dad. Uh, you know, we all have blind spots. Uh, but, um, well, every time, uh, one of our animals has a firstborn, you, um, how shall I say this? Uh, kill it. Uh, and dad, um, again, something we don't even know when we have problems, dad, but you know, um, you, you, you killed 73 animals last year and dad, we're, we're in the ranching business. Uh, this is cutting into our profits, dad. What, why, why do you do this? You can see a son asking that. Why, why, why are you killing that little lamb? And God said, when your son asks you, you tell him, son, I need to tell you something about our family that you don't know. We weren't always in the ranching business. We, we didn't have any animals, son. Son, we didn't own any land. Son, we were slaves. We didn't own anything. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered us and gave us everything that you see. Therefore, we gladly give to God the first of all of our increase. Now, this was written about 4,000 years ago. And I had something just like this happen. Years ago, we didn't bank online. You know, we didn't even have the Internet back when this happened. But I would, when I would pay the bills, I would always write the tithe check out first. And then I'd settle over to the side. Uh, let me, for you younger people, uh, our generation, we used to have pieces of paper called checks. So I'd write the tithe check out, and then I'd set it over to the side, and then I would pay the bills. But I'd always write the tithe check first, first check that I would always write before I'd pay any bills. And one day my son, who has this math mind, comes in. He's only about 9 or 10, but he, he's got numbers. And he sees that check, and he realizes how much that money is. And he said to me, Dad... Why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remembered that scripture. And I actually took my son and I set him on my lap and I said to him, um, Son, I, I need to tell you something about your daddy that you don't know. But your daddy wasn't always a Christian. As a matter of fact, your daddy was a very, very bad man. But God, with a mighty hand, redeemed your daddy. Therefore, I gladly Give to God the first of all of my increase.
I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Now, I want you to just take a moment. And just like Pastor Miles did last week, I thought he did such a great job talking about words of affirmation. And here's, in essence, what he said. Let's put it into practice today. Before you leave today, affirm someone. I want to ask you to do something. Put it into practice today. Speak God's love language today. Before you leave today, honor the Lord with the first fruits of your increase. Return to the house of God the tithe, the first 10% of your income. Lord, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God, that you are such a great and mighty God. Thank you, Lord, that you even allow us to speak your language. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that every person here, every person will know the joy of being a giver. In Jesus' name, amen.